0: Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. The Cybertruck specs are out, and they fail to measure up to what was initially promised. We'll get into detail on that. Elon digs a deeper hole for Twitter, a new era of mini PCs are upon us, and the Cult of Lamb shows all of social media how to actually get followers fast. All that and more. Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, guys. doing your stream with this eagle eyes on Takai and Eagle Falcon, that's good enough. <laughs> that's good enough. That is very much good, good enough of an opening. We have a lot to talk about today, and in fact, it is now December, which means, yes, the Christmas bunk- bumpers are back for like four weeks i know some of you are dreading this moment the seasonal changes the fact that it's now pitch black at 3 p.m the fact that mariah carey now haunts your dreams and you try to bash your head against a wall in your sleep to get her out but i assure you we are mariah carey free because there's no way i can afford that stuff i simply can't we are using royalty free stuff from ragnarok online that's just the realistic part of it, all right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm going to provide you something unique, something you haven't heard in a while, but that's the reality of it. We're also working on the uh, 2024 bumpers at this at this time as well, and we're gonna have some fun with it down the road. With that said, though, as I was getting ready to go live, we have breaking news from just a few hours ago, reported by Zach Busey from po- quite possibly the only useful thing about Twitter that's left. And I'm only slightly sarcastic about that. Zach Busey might be the only thing left for, for like all of like informative Twitter. Zach Busey, for those who don't know, he is an independent journalist that pretty much covers all creator and streaming news that's out there. He is reporting... Well, not exclusively, but he has brought to our attention here that the, fi- that the financial tech company, Tipalti, has in fact suffered a ransomware attack consisting of at least a quarter of a terabyte of information, actually a little bit over a quarter of a terabyte of information, and it includes confidential business data belonging to the company as well as employees and clients, those clients including Roblox and Twitch. There's information that that leads to Tapalti being responsible for Twitch's payout process, which, um, yeah, for viewers on Twitch, you're fine. For guys who get money from Twitch, we're concerned, to say the least. We are greatly, greatly concerned. So what does this mean? We don't know as of yet. The last update we had, I mean, I'm not kidding when I'm saying this is breaking news. The last update we had was two hours ago, the actual company released a press announcement saying, we are reaching out to you today with important information regarding a potential security incident that came to our attention. This was sent to all of their customers. On Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, a ransom called ALFV, ran- ransomware, alleged. Alleged that they had maliciously gained access to confidential information belonging to Tapal and its customers. By the way, there is like a 60% chance I am pronouncing Tapal incorrectly. The company name is spelled T-I-P-A-L-T-I. If I'm mispronoun- if I mispronounce if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, I apologize, but they have yet to respond to me telling me how to re- how to pronounce their company name exactly mostly because they have better things to do. Protecting your data and the security of our systems is of the utmost importance to us, and we are taking this matter very seriously. Our team is thoroughly investigating these claims, and at the moment, we have found no evidence of a breach of our data. We are committed to providing you with the latest updates regarding this alleged breach during the ongoing investigation. Our team is available to answer any questions you have at, and then they give an email. Kind regards, and then the leaked message cut off the name of the rep most likely to help protect the source so we have a ransomware group that claims that they have a lot of data and then the victim is saying we have no evidence that this breach occurred it's still very early in this it's not this story is not even a day old yet so it's hard to say what is and isn't true one thing that does stand out to me the file they got is only 265 gigabytes that seems like a very odd amount especially for you know for a day when you have a data breach like this one of two things it's either you have everything or you have a very small contained amount that has the essentials this is a quarter of a terabyte it is hard to get a quarter of a terabyte out without being noticed. So I don't know who to believe. I'm leaning more towards it might be a spoof, but I don't know. At the same time, topalti has every reason right now, especially considering the fact I'm pretty sure they are not a publicly traded company, so they don't have much to lose in trying to hide this sort of information. I guess at this point, all we can do is wait and see how this all goes down in other streaming news that seems very odd and is the reason why in um in our video podcast you see a bottle of Mountain Dew sitting standing next to me Mountain Dew is running a quote AI powered advertising campaign according to Zach Busey Mountain Dew is using a bot called Mountain Dew Gaming that. Using AI and image recognition, it will detect if there is Mountain Dew on the screen, and then go ahead and just dr- and just shill for itself within the chat. This is apparently going on until December 8th. However, it is only scanning for streams that are in any kinds of games categories. So this podcast broadcasting on... The talk shows category is not going to be read by the bot. Also, we're a pretty low population channel, so most likely the bot's going to ignore us anyway. But I mean, you give me a chance to try and perform some science. I'm going to go ahead and perform some science. It's just what I do. You tell me that there are malicious bots out there that are scanning out and trying to go ahead and raid any kind of stream out there that is pro lgbtq by god i'm gonna throw every single keyword in my in in my thing to try and see you know what come and get me i dare you it's just what i do unfortunately that didn't work either but you know it is what it is now here's the thing okay mountain dew obviously didn't pay me in fact I paid them because I cuz I don't drink Mountain Dew at all. I had to go out and actually buy a my own 6-pack of Mountain Dew. So before anyone goes, "Oh wow, he's sponsored by Mountain Dew." This is the worst sponsorship deal ever. I'm so far $6 in the hole. I actually forgot how much the 6-pack was. I think it was like 450 or something like that. In any case, no, we're not sponsored by Mountain Dew. And any person who actually has this in their chat. They're also not sponsored by Mountain Dew. From the perspective of anyone. From a sponsorship point of view. This campaign sucks. This is literally the worst case scenario. Because the only thing allegedly. That comes of this. Is that if the Mountain Dew bot spots you. You are apparently put on this page. On the front page for like 10 minutes. So. Mountain Dew gets $6 and I get 10 minutes of exposure is the best case scenario. Let me ask you something. All right. When you go ahead and commission an artist to go ahead and draw something for you, do you pay them with money or exposure? Yeah, you, you, you said money, unless you're terrible. Then you said exposure. I hate to break it to you, um, artists and streamers, both. We can't pay our bills with exposure. I know I'm just as shocked as you are when um, when we energies took one look at my follower account and said, no, you're going to pay your electric bill with money, not with exposure. And I went, dang it. It's unfortunate. So let me ask that. Why is this okay then? Why is this considered acceptable? Someone in chat said exposure gets you paid on OnlyFans wrong kind of exposure also no it doesn't people wanting to get in to see your exposure does get you anyway this is gonna not be a safer work freaking podcast today i'm not a fan of this advertising campaign and i hope that uh this campaign sort of fails at first glance this is cute this whole thing is a really really cute idea but the instant you think about it for more than oh, I don't know. 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 4 minutes, let's say 5 minutes. The moment you start thinking about it for more than 5 minutes, you start realizing that yeah, yeah, people are being um being exploited here. That's that's not cool. That's kind of not cool. Like imagine if imagine if sure did that. That's actually a good comparison, all right? Let's pretend sure noticed that I'm using their microphone. And that with their, admittedly, very, very good microphone, you get these nice, crisp sounds out of here, and it not sounding like an absolute trash can, or sounding more like this, oh my god. You've heard plenty of podcasters like this, and it sounds like they're talking through a tin can. Well, fortunately, mine, I have to actually add a filter to do that. Imagine if Shure came in, after I went ahead and paid my own money for this. N- and sure, didn't pay a dime to me at all. But then in my chat, just started saying, Do you like the sound of his voice? You can do that with the Sure SM7B, which you can find at this link. Well, I th- it sounds like I just got freaking used now, doesn't it? Oh my God, Mountain Dew actually came in here! <laughs> ah! <laughs> they actually came in! We got him! (laughs) That is hilarious. That is actually hilarious. Oh my god. Oh my lord. Amazing. Simply amazing. (sighs) No, my opinion has not changed. This is still terrible. I have not made a single cent off this moment, but I had had a very good laugh, which I'd consider is... uh, you know what? I'd say $6 for a good laugh was worth it. Everything else about this isn't. But the timing absolutely is. How I rip on this entire k- advertising I- idea. And the bot comes in! <laughs> <laughs> I need a minute. I mean, I, I know it's crazy early for... I I need a minute. We're gonna take a break here. When we come back, we're gonna... Talk about, um, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Apple and, um, and who's it's Goldman Sachs. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I still can't believe we got, got to bait the Mountain Dew bot live that was incredible that was actually insane alright moving on to other topics Apple is offering an exit for Goldman Sachs so for those who don't understand what this is or what's going on Apple a couple years ago now I can't remember exactly how long ago it was Apple offered something that we've pretty much never seen a um a tech company do before. Apple offered their own credit card. It was very strange because you've never heard of another company of a of a tech company doing this. And the way they did is that they partnered with the bank Goldman Sachs, who Goldman Sachs doesn't really deal with um We'll just call it the consumer market. Goldman Sachs usually de- deals in the business market. They deal, deal in, a, in a bit more than just that, but we're just going to keep things simple. All right. For the purpose of, of this story. And also because we don't need to spend an hour d- trying to decipher this. All right. <clears throat> so what it was, was that if you had an iPhone, you could apply for an Apple card. The card was very simple. It was very easy to pay, they were very upfront about it, and it was all built into the Apple Pay app. And it was supposed to revolutionize how people pay pay off their credit card. And so it's a lot more simple and a lot easier to understand. Which, if you've ever done any amount of adulting with a credit card, and actually tried to decipher really any bill for that fact, if you've tried to decipher any bill, It is a confusing hot mess especially when it comes to a credit card because well there's a minimum amount of pay there's the amount that's due on this there's your current balance there's the interest on it there's also the points you get back for it what those count towards what it all means etc 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 it can be a bit of a mess and if you're anything like my accountant you absolutely hate my credit card because for whatever reason our my credit card has its billing cycle reset on the 14th, which makes end-of-the-month balancing an absolute bloody nightmare. But the whole thing with the Apple card is that it's supposed to be simple. The point system is just based on a cashback philosophy, and you'd get both a physical card or you can use your Apple Watch or Apple phone to also do use it digitally. But you still have the physical card in case the... Credit card reader that you're using doesn't have tap to pay. By the way, every credit card reader basically now is tap to pay. Almost every single one of them. If you have found a credit card reader that doesn't accept tap to pay, congratulations, you found an antique. But I digress. Zone in chat asks, is an Apple card only able to be used on an Apple device? You had to have an Apple device to set the whole thing up. All right, it had to be tied into. An Apple ID through Apple Pay, which basically guaranteed you needed some kind of Apple device. I think, theoretically, you could've, if you wanted to, just, um... I'm trying to think here. I think if you wanted to, you could've just gotten, like, an iPad for, like, a couple hundred. Set it up on that. And then they'd, they'd mail you a physical card that you could also use. It was also, like, an all-metal card. It was... I've handled a few of them. They are crazy heavy. Like it's noticeable, but we're getting off topic. So Goldman Sachs was going ahead and getting into the consumer credit business. Well, it seems like a win-win for Goldman Sachs, right? Get into a new business, let their company grow and make money off that, right? Well, here's the problem. Goldman Sachs, was never set up to handle the consumer market. This means that they had to pay money up front to go ahead and basically have the mass line of credit to power all of these cards. This costed Goldman Sachs billions for the first few years that they were doing this and they've been looking for a way out and they have been trying to offload this credit card business for about the last year. And Apple is now letting Goldman Sachs get out of the business, which now raises the question, what is gonna happen to all these credit cards? Are they just gonna stop working? Is there gonna be another financial institution backing them up? Is Apple just gonna establish their own bank and keep these cards going that way? What is the plan for Apple here? And I'm not going to lie, I don't know. From what I've heard so far, and I can't verify anything at this time, it seems as though Apple's endgame is, in fact, going to basically be to have a new financial institution ready to pick up the slack the moment Goldman Sachs pulls out. What that transition is going to look like, I don't know. I don't and I just like someone in chat. I don't believe Apple's going to go ahead and set up their own bank. They're smart enough to know that they don't have anything qualified enough. They have the capital to go for it, but that's a lot of risk to go ahead and assume and it would definitely definitely hurt their their stock price, which they absolutely they want to do everything they can Right now, the Apple stock price is right now so high that they could sneeze wrong and lose hundreds of thousands. Like, they have a lot to lose just by doing anything kind of even remotely risky. So setting up their own bank seems unlikely. I would imagine the entire Apple credit card program would just abruptly end before Apple would ponder setting up a bank. But... If there's anything the tech industry has taught me, nothing's off the table. Anything can happen. But at the very least, Apple's slightly more predictable than Elon Musk. There is at least that going for them. Meanwhile, there is some very interesting controversy involving a developer conference. Now, I don't want you to assume anything When you hear this headline, but I want you to think about this headline first. All right, backlash over fake female speaker. I'm sorry. Fake female speakers shuts down developer conference. Your first instinct when you hear fake female speakers is just like, oh no, is this is is this some Some kind of newfangled bigotry or something crazy like that. Is this just, is this some crazy story trying to go ahead and make something big out of something stupid? Someone said, Oh no, 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 no. This is actually even crazier. The holder of a conference literally made up female speakers to hit a diversity quota to try and attract other developer speakers just straight up used AI imaging to create new faces, invent backstories for these people that don't exist, made up fake backgrounds for what they've done, their accomplishments, and said, they're gonna be there speaking about this. And then of course, right before the conference happened, oh, none of them could make it, Uh, things came up. In their personal lives that prevented them all from making it days before the actual developer conference would begin. Maybe they couldn't make it because they weren't real. This guy was all found out solely because a number of these developers that were going to speak started looking into some of the other speakers backgrounds before they said yes. Only to find out that in fact none of them checked out. Which then I have to ask this, is this really our world now where if we don't meet a certain diversity quota, you either have to make up, invent, filling this imaginary quota or else you're just not worthy of someone's time. Is that really what we are in this? Like this whole concept, the fact that someone is had to stoop to this level just makes me wonder what are we doing to ourselves why I would argue for the purpose of a convention for the purpose of any kind of conference if the venue is good the hosts are good and most importantly if the attendees seem like they'd be worth talking to like you're not going to go ahead and do a talk about about trying to break into a new a new field in programming to a bunch of bikers or something like that. You're not going to do that. That's stupid. But as long as it's there, the the whole concept of trying to go ahead and meet these kind of quotas, just it feels forced. And I know where it all starts off with. It all starts off in the name of trying to make sure that we're not excluding every anyone. But at the same time, by making these kind of quotas, you are in fact excluding people. It's a weird line. And the fact that it forced this to just straight up invent new people just to go ahead and be on, the, on what they felt was the right side does make me go, really? Really? Someone just posted in a Discord asking how the heck did I bait Mountain Dew? <sighs> uh, I still can't get over that. I really, really can't. But in other news, getting off the, con- the conference thing, let's talk about EVs, electric vehicles, and where the problem is. Right now here in the US, there are some artificial deadlines saying that dealers and manufacturers must have a certain percentage of the cars they sell be electric by a certain year. Right now, it's... Um, right now, I think it's like 20% by... 2023 years or 20, I'm not 2023, uh, 2030 or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but right now, car dealers are begging this artificial deadline be pushed up because they can't sell EVs. And I actually checked in my area here to see if in fact electric vehicle sales were in fact slow. And sure enough, there actually are quite a few of the various newer electric vehicles, the ones that actually do look attractive, not like the Nissan Leaf and it's 80 mile range and it's top speed of 80 miles an hour or whatever the heck it actually is. I think it's actually way better than that. Don't quote me on that. But like ones that are like the Lightning, for instance, you know, the electric pickup truck that can go zero to 60 in three seconds, has over 300 miles of range. Ones that actually are practical and actually, ones that if I could afford them, I totally would. They're not moving, and they're currently sitting on the lot waiting to be sold. Can anyone guess why? Can anyone guess why exactly they're all sitting on the lot? Why are people in America so reluctant to buy EVs? I'll give you a hint. I have been pounding this table on this exact topic for the longest time. There we go. Someone in the chat almost has it. They have not enough that I'm willing to take it. It's the fact there's nowhere to charge. It's the fact that the charging infrastructure right now in America is spotty at best. The chargers that are out there right now, the Electrify America chargers are unreliable. There's been tons of horror stories about being trapped at a Walmart and the stupid charger won't let them charge their car. And then on the other killer thing right now that's, the talk within the trucking world, well not the trucking world, but um, the truck owner's world, that's the better phrasing to go, is in fact the fact you lose 66% of your range while towing. That's killer. Yeah, remember how I said earlier that the F-150 Lightning has a 140, or I'm sorry, a 340 mile range? Now imagine it's 105 now. You can only travel 105 miles and then you got to start charging again with your camper trailer or hauling a load back to your home. It starts getting nerve wracking. And the more you use your truck, the lower that range gets because the battery is starting is lowering its life lifespan. So best case is 105. And with a lack of infrastructure, it's having more people say, you know what? I think I'd rather pay for a diesel truck than I would an electric one. And even for car driving, too. I mean, heck, the apartment I'm at right now, I cannot install an electric charger. So one of the biggest benefits of an electric vehicle, charging at your own home, gone. And the closest place I can charge it is a Walmart about a 10-minute drive from my place. So if it phantom drains and goes down to near zero in my parking spot, I'm hosed. I have been saying this again and again and again and again, the lack of charging infrastructure is going to slow the adoption of these vehicles. Lo and behold, look who is right. It also doesn't help at all that these vehicles were, you know, 35 K at the start of the pandemic. And now they start at like 50. Yeah. So what is going to be the future for EVs? We'll first have to see a couple of things. In the U.S., the best charging infrastructure is Tesla's, the fast charging infrastructure that they got going. I know Ford said they're going to go ahead and make the switch starting next year, that all their electric vehicles are going to be on that charging standard. So we'll see if that goes ahead and fixes this actually be another thing directly affecting Ford because we've known that for like two years. Everyone's like, oh, well, why would I go ahead and buy the old ones on the universal one when I can just go ahead and get, you know, one of the ones as the Tesla one. Meanwhile, though, speaking of Tesla, the Cybertruck, we have the specs. We know what it can do. And here's what I'll say about the Cybertruck. If you thought that Tesla was going to be able to meet every single one of their promises they made four years ago. You are going to be in for a massive disappointment. They did not. But man, there's quite a few people out there that absolutely love this thing. And I don't know why I'll t- actually no, I do know why they're not truck people. So let's start with a couple of things. All right, first off, if you were hoping to get the cyber truck because of that built in ramp, it's not there. It's gone built in ramp gone entirely if you want to get the Cybertruck because you thought it was going to have a lot of storage. It's got a decent sized bed, but it's not the best out there. It has a decent front trunk, but it's probably one of the smallest out there compared to the other two big electric pickup trucks. The exterior metal is tougher. They even shot bullets at it. Granted, very small bullets, but they still shot bullets at it and it didn't puncture through the doors at all. So, you know, it's a pretty... Tough truck. I don't know why you get a pickup truck specifically for being shot at. That seems like a very if you're buying a vehicle based on your likelihood of being shot at, you have a lot of you have a lot of problems that need to be looked at first. But if you're if you're getting the Cybertruck and hoping to get it for utility, that this is going to be some sort of heavy hauler or some kind of crazy, crazy high-end freaking camping ability you're going to be disappointed someone in chat says an amazing zero to 60. it does but why if you care about sports performance why are you buying a pickup truck like that just seems bizarre the biggest thing it has going for it is first off the tonto cover the cover that covers the the entire bed of the pickup truck i do actually like that i honestly do like that. The internal screen, I do like it. I don't like the fact there's no gauge cluster. One thing that actually did slip past me the first time I looked at this, they do have external outlets inside the bed of the truck. They do have a 240 outlet, and more importantly, the 240 outlet they have in the bed of the truck is a 50 amp plug. That actually is extremely unique. Though Rivian does not have a 240 outlet in the, in the bed of their truck. And Ford only has a 30 amp plug. So a 50 amp actually is a huge, huge upgrade. I don't know how long it's going to be able to provide 50 amps at 240 volts to whatever would be plugged into it. I'd actually be very curious about that. The other thing also is... um. I do have to apologize about stories I covered before about the Cybertruck regarding the panel gapping. Clearly now, because they only just now released the specs and everything, the initial report saying that customers were receiving their trucks with massive panel gaps, that clearly is not the case, because customers are only now, just now, receiving their Cybertrucks. So those other ones were pre-production units, so panel gaps there are actually almost expected. Those are still bad panel gaps, though, but now it's way more understandable. So I do want to get that correction out there. And the other outlets that went ahead and reported those as actual customers getting them. Holy cow, shame on you. You made me look like an idiot. And yeah, someone in the chat said that was what it said too. That was not what my sources said though. Which again, shame on them. Absolute disappointment there. But, I can- but of course, the biggest, the biggest yikes about the Cybertruck, besides its looks is the price it starts at 49,890 dollars so 50k for the rear wheel drive one which is only gonna have 250 miles of range and 0 to 60 in 6.5 seconds why is this their major selling point on this I don't know their all-wheel drive starts at 69 thousand dollars nice 340 mile range, 0-60 to in 4.1 seconds, and a lot more useful specs about it, which we don't have on the real-world drive, which makes me wonder a lot of things. And then we have a Cyber Beast version at $96,000. I'm rounding here a bit, by the way, which has a little bit less range, 2.6, sec- 2- 2.6 seconds, 0-60, to 130 mile an hour top speed. But here's the thing. All those prices I just said are actually big fat liars because that's the ones with probable savings. And this is something that I absolutely freaking hate from Tesla in the fact they actually lie to you because this approximate savings price that they default on includes a federal tax credit and what they assume you're going to save in gas over three years. This is false advertising because you're actually paying for the wheel wheel drive. $61,000, $80,000 for the all-wheel drive, and $100,000 for the Cyber Beast version of this truck. So the one advantage that the Cybertruck had early on was their estimated pricing they were going to have was going to slaughter what was Rivian for their pricing on their pickup truck, whereas now they're basically going toe-to-toe with Rivian for pricing and offering slightly less truck for it. And the F-150 basically just absolutely slaughters this across the board. You're basically, like if you get an F-150 Lightning over the Cybertruck, you're basically saving five grand and you get a functional pickup truck bed instead of this one with massive walls on the side. I didn't even mention that. The Cybertruck, because of its unique shape and these massive steel sidewalls over over the side of the bed, you can't use universal pickup truck accessories such as a toolbox, such as a such as a truck camper, such as well, pretty much any gooseneck trailer or fifth wheel trailer is out, even though realistically at only 11,000 11, pounds of towing capacity, you really shouldn't be using any fifth wheel or gooseneck travel trailer anyway. But even if you have a small one that you possibly could, that's out. And it's just from a pickup truck point of view, the cyber truck is awful. Realistically, there is only one kind of customer that is going to grab the cyber truck. And that is the customer who wants to say they own a cyber truck and wants to be looked at as they drive down the road. That's it. If you want a pickup truck. To go ahead and do heavy hauling with, I hate to break it to you, you're grabbing a diesel truck. If you want to pick up truck just as, you know, something to go ahead and do a little bit of hauling for the family and whatnot, you're probably gonna get an F-150. If you want to go ahead and do the kind of camping that that the Cybertruck was saying they can do, you're gonna grab a Rivian just because the Rivian has the option of an outdoor kitchen that slides out of the side. Everything the Cybertruck says it can do... Oh, and if you want offering capability, I'm sorry. You're just going to go ahead and grab any one of the F-150s at the Raptor edition and probably still save money. Or you're probably looking at Dodge with their air suspension. So you can call me a hater if you want. But I've thought about this a lot. Like that has been a lot of what I've been talking about or what I've been thinking about. There are some pros but there's a lot more cons and when this thing launched, it had the advantage of being the only electric pickup truck that looked obtainable. Now that it's here, you're late to the game. And quite frankly, you don't do anything unique other than grabbing attention. It is extremely effective at grabbing attention. Oh, yeah, their entire windshield, by the way, is, uh, has only one windshield wiper. Like, that's a thing with it. There's just one giant windshield wiper on it. Just right there on the driver's side. I still don't know how I feel about that. That seems like it'd be a pain in the butt to try and go ahead and find anyone that would supply that. The, uh, the other thing also is the fact that, um, the headlight design is just one LED light bar in the front. As someone who has to drive down country roads to get home pretty much every night, I do wonder how effective that light bar is going to be when uh, you are going down a dark road with no street lights. And, well, a lot of people are kind of noticing a lot of these problems with the Cybertruck as well. In the subreddits of the Cybertruck, numerous threads have been opening about how the payload capacity is 1000 pounds lower than what was initially pre- given. By the they originally said like a 3500 payload capacity. Instead, you're now getting 2500. 2500 is still really good for the class of truck that it's actually falling into. We originally thought the Cybertruck was going to be a class 3 or a f- class 4 pickup truck just based on the weight of the vehicle, but apparently it's not. Although maybe when it first launches, we're gonna find out that in fact the weight was lies, and that it actually is a class three truck. And now, could you imagine? You get your cyber truck and find out you have to report to the DMV or to report to DOT every year for a um for a fricking truck expansion uh a f- a flippin um truck inspection. That would be, just be awful. <laughs> nope, I'm sorry. You own a Cybertruck. You now need to carry a fire extinguisher and three cautioned cones in your back seat at all times. You are now a commercial vehicle. Have fun with that. We'll have to see, because I know a lot of people, once they get a hold of the Cybertruck, they're going to put it through its paces. There's a couple outlets specifically I'm going to be keeping an eye on, and these are the same kind of outlets that made the discovery that, oh yeah, uh, Rivian and... Ford both, when they went ahead and just attached any load to it, the range went down significantly. (sighs) What a shame. What a shame. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about how Elon Musk dug a deeper hole for Twitter. Yes, even deeper than the one it already was in don't go anywhere. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. One other comment I want to point out about the Cybertruck that was reminded about during the break. There are still questions about how legal this truck is in some of the states just because of uh, collision requirements. And the fact that it's made of stainless steel across the board. Another point I also want to point out that wasn't talked about in the chat. There's a lot of people talking in Twitter and otherwise about how this truck will most likely never make it to the EU because of the way that front is and because the corners are so sharp that it's not gonna pass pedestrian collision requirements. In the US, we don't even consider pedestrian collision, which you say it out loud sounds horrible, It's mostly because it is. I do gotta ask, man. This truck just feels like it's going to be a disaster. Like As someone mentioned in the, ch- in, in the chat, it still feels like a concept car. And it still definitely does. Even the production version looks like a fricking pr- concept car. It looks surreal. It doesn't look legitimate. <sighs> All right. I got to make sure I am covering the headline on this. And I want to actually double check the article to make sure there's no swear words in it because the message that's about to come up does contain a swear word that I'm going to censor so that we can try, try to remain uh, not an explicit podcast today. And that is the fact that Elon Musk has told all the advertisers that boycotted Twitter that... They can, in fact, go bleep themselves openly during an interview that Elon was talking about handing over the reins of Twitter, now known as X, over to the new CEO. And this brings up the title point. How long does Twitter have? And I don't mean this in some kind of, man, I hate Elon Musk. I can't wait for Twitter to die so I can say I told him so. But I actually mean this in a very real, in a very real way. Twitter gets its income through advertisers. Right now, if you go through Twitter without Adblock, actually even with Adblock on right now, you'll find most of the ads are basically selling scams or no, actually, no, I was right the first time. They're basically all selling scams. They're all selling cheap, physics-defying products, like, say, a flashlight that seems to have more power than the sun, or the power of, like, a lighthouse spotlight in the palm of your hand, which is physically impossible. A single-bladed ball with, with a that's trying to say that it has the same motion as a drone with a single propeller inside the ball that's physically impossible and many 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 more my personal favorite is still the collapsible defending batons that keep trying to be sold on twitter which by the way look into before you even ponder getting one of these which because they're made of aluminum they even say they're made of aluminum the moment you hit anyone with them They are going to be really pissed and and in pain, and you're going to have a bent defending rod. On top of all that, those things in certain states in the US are illegal. And I almost guarantee you, if the EU is getting those exact same sort of ads, I guarantee you those are very illegal over in the EU because they're way more strict about that sort of stuff than we are here in the States. Now, the cult-like following that Elon has, and the absolute Kool-Aid drinkers that believe in Tesla are most likely paying eight dollars a month for a blue check mark and then hide the fact they have a blue check mark, or show it proudly like an idiot. And that's providing significant amount of income to Twitter. Is it enough to make up for the fact there are basically no advertisers other than cheap scams? What about the numerous amounts of people that are leaving just because their feed is full of people that they just don't know and don't care about? I'm only about if I refresh my my thing here about For You. Let's see how long it takes me to get something I don't care about. Uh, first post is about Gonzo the Great from The Muppets will be a presenter at the Game Show Awards. First post already something I don't care about, really. Even though it kind of is amusing. Second post is some guy I don't know posting about his beer. So first or second post, depending on how you want to count. Let's refresh it again. First post. Two years ago, Ludwig announced he was moving to YouTube. Yep. Don't care. Next post. That same guy from earlier talking about his beer. (sighs) This kind of uselessness in their curation is not helping. And every—it seems like every month we see we see a feature being sunsetted. There's been threats about making hashtags vanish from the website. Why? I don't know. There's been talks about oh my God. Just name. F- I'm trying to think of like key features that went missing. There's of course the big API snafu, which means that a lot of the ways people prefer to interact with Twitter gone, poof, vanished. The end. Twitter is bleeding users. Best case scenario, they're staying stagnant. And what do I keep saying about staying stagnant? If you aren't growing, you're shrinking. So you're either shrinking or you're shrinking. Which means fewer people are using your service. Quality advertisers are not existing on the website and making the experience of Twitter that much worse. Like I just scrolled down my thing and there's just a lot of lewd images from people I don't know. And then a puppy for no reason. Someone in chat said internal communications suggests one year deadline for adding financial services. I believe that. At least I know my ad blocker is actually working pretty well on Twitter. I thought it wasn't anymore. But I haven't seen any one of the sketchy sketchy stuff. I guess I'll have to go to my phone. Yeah. And then, of course, if you're a content creator on Twitter, trying to go ahead and get your name out there, you're basically you have to pay for exposure or you have no hope my clips i have been repost i have been posting daily clips again and they're dating all the way back from god may i think is where a lot of these clips originally came from the amount of views i've been getting on my own clips on twitter is nothing 14 29 15 how's how are they doing on tiktok 759, 207, 114. Yeah. (sighs) And someone in chat does bring brings up a point that Elon used to pay use the debt to help pay for the company. The debt was assigned to Twitter. Twitter can't afford to pay that debt. Couldn't afford to pay that debt before Musk. But let's pretend for a moment that Elon was willing to keep the artist formerly known as Twitter alive using his own funds. And he could for a while. But eventually, that's going to compound in on itself. Eventually, it's going to pile up more and more and more and more. At what point does it end? At what point does Twitter pay for itself? And you already start seeing kind of the language from Musk trying to shift the blame elsewhere. Because while he told advertisers to go bleep themselves... He also said that if they don't like what's going on on the platform, I hope they stop, don't advertise. But, he also went ahead to say that, in fact, if Twitter does fail, it's because these advertisers boycott them, Twitter's blood would be on their hands. So already you start seeing Elon trying to shift the blame. It's not his fault, it's not his awful, terrible, brain-dead business decisions. That flies in the face of business one oh one, that killed Twitter. No, 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 it's the advertisers that killed Twitter. You are actually insane if you believe that. You, you act, th- that actually is a test if you are in fact an Elon cultist or not. If you actively hear that and say and say, yeah, that makes sense. It's the advertisers' fault. It's not Elon's fault that Twitter fails. It's the advertisers' fault because they boycotted him. No. It's Elon's fault. It was Elon's fault that he went ahead and toned down moderation to the point where it is unbearable, went the literal polar opposite of what it was. You could have toned it down carefully, slowly, and try to dial in the right amount to get rid of the weird bits of trying to control information and keep things like Racism out but no you didn't do that probably the biggest flaw I would say by far without a doubt is the fact that you changed the name you took band-aid and then killed the name band-aid you had one of the most recognizable brand names in all of tech to the point where the language used for the company was in the dictionary and you burned it all for a letter. A name change that was so successful, no one respects it. Literally no one. Even the actual reporter is trying to keep an even hand. Referred to it as the platform formerly known as Twitter, now X. And you notice this whole time, I've, for the most part, been calling it Twitter pretty much the entire time. With only a couple of times referring to it as previously X, or previously Twitter, now X. So at what point do the bills pile up too much? At what point does Twitter scare off enough people that there's not enough people to sell scam ads to? At what point does Twitter fail? I'll tell you what. The application I use to publish my short clips to multiple social media platforms at once, the day they start supporting platforms like Blue Sky or Threads, the other Twitter competitors, that to me would be a sign that one of those other platforms has more adoption than Twitter. And no, by the way, it's not going to be Mastodon. Mastodon is not Twitter. Mastodon is a Reddit clone. Stop trying to support, stop trying to make Mastodon a thing. It's not going to happen. You have have better odds of trying to convince me to buy a Cybertruck than you have of making Mastodon be accepted by the world. I'll just tell you that right now. It's it's not going to happen. All right. That's what I got to say about Twitter. I think I've ranted enough. What do you think? 2025? That's the end of Twitter? When's the end of Zoom? At what point are we going to get sick of Zoom calls? That is another question society has. And new research is coming out that shows that Zoom fatigue is actually real. That people are getting exhausted (laughs) of actually being on Zoom. Someone in chat says, wow, you're gonna give Twitter until 2025? I can't get it until 2024. I guarantee you it's gonna survive through 2024. Will it downsize? Will it go ahead and go through massive restructuring during 2024 if we start seeing a catastrophic event that start, starts leading to its failure? Oh yeah, but I think it'll survive through 2024, even if it's like limping along across the finish line. Or maybe it will get a massive resurgence because I don't know, a lot can happen in a year, but it's going to take a lot to kill a Titan like Twitter, even though we have seen it slowly rot. But actual brain scans from from neurologists have shown that, in fact, people are getting sick of Zoom and it's actually having a negative effect on the human brain. Someone in chat says between July and, o- and October of 2024, the writing will be on the wall. Um, We'll see. A lot can happen. I mean, how often am I correct about my t- tech predictions? It's hard to make these predictions because a-, a lot can happen in a year. Who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe by March, Twitter will just shut down. Can Zoom shut down at that point too? The world might actually be a better place without it, according to this. Report More and more people are finding out that, in fact, Zoom, while a useful tool for those who have to stay isolated for whatever reason, constantly doing everything through Zoom is not helpful at all to people. We need that actual person-to-person contact. That is what this study is starting to show. Now, granted, this is just one study. More and more will be done. Then after we determine that it's real, more and more reports will still be done. Because that's how it works. But the fact that we have reports already out, uh, just actually going and looking at this saying, you know, maybe everything shouldn't be teleconferenced. Maybe. Just maybe. We should stop doing that. Meanwhile, in slightly concerning news, Google Drive users are reporting that they are losing data. It's hard to say what to make of this. But this could be the start of some, something very concerning, or this could be a lot of people misremembering what is on their Google drive account. Now, for sure, Google drive, I am very forgetful. So if Google drive actually is losing data because of failed infrastructure or whatever, I would never notice because my memory is such hot garbage that if half the stuff of my Google drive vanish, I'd be like. Huh. I could have swore I had more on here. Oh, well. But let me also take an opportunity to say this. This is why I keep insisting to use your own cloud or just have your own server. Just have your, just have, have your own NAS. Have some way of keeping track of your own data. Okay? Cloud backup is nice and all. But let me tell you. Local backup, way better. Having both local backup and cloud backup, way better. Top tier stuff. Don't put your entire faith in the cloud. Please stop that. Stop it. You don't have to go ahead and do something crazy like it. You don't have to go ahead, fricking get a 12U rack Throw a bunch of servers in there, a bunch of networking infrastructure in there. Don't go ahead and you don't have to go ahead and get a 2U server. You don't have to build your own cloud service out of an unraid box. You don't have to go ahead and do anything crazy like that. You don't have to go ahead and get 16 SSDs and throw them all in one massive eight terabyte raid. You don't have to go that crazy. All right. You don't have to do that. I will because I'm a lunatic, but you don't have to go that far. You can just get a little NAS, a couple hundred bucks, put four drives in, done, poof, easy peasy. You don't have to be that crazy, but I do recommend having some kind of backup and have it be a local backup. That should be before you start using exclusively the cloud. Just in case something like this might be true and everything isn't solely based on your system. Meanwhile, however, Amazon has shown their first trailer of uh, Fallout TV, <laughs> or rather just Fallout. I've seen the trailer. I'll say this about it. The trailer is incredibly unrealistic. First off, the trailer looks good, and Fallout doesn't. Second, nothing was glitching through the planet, and nothing was was shuddering as it just phased through walls. And any other sort of glitch-based things that always happen in in the Fallout universe. None of that happened in the trailer. It actually looked like a very watchable show and didn't look like a glitchy mess. Unlike the Fallout games. So I, for one, am greatly disappointed that Amazon decided to go ahead and show a quality production for Fallout. And something that actually would be very enjoyable to fans of Fallout. Rather than showing an accurate depiction of the Fallout universe. And have it be a nightmare for all to experience okay Uh, all right obviously I'm joking obviously it the show does look good and I for one will add it to my list of things I watch eventually that being the king of that being the thing Uh, eventually I have so many shows I need to keep up on I completely forgot that the that um invincible season two is out and it's like halfway done If not more than halfway done, I got to catch up on that too. I don't know what I'm going to catch up on that, but that is, I don't know if it's actually out now or if it's just being teased. Oh, April 24th, 2024. Okay. They have plenty of time to mess this up, but so far it's looking pretty good. Unlike fallout 76, which did not You know what else looks good. The MacBook Air. The MacBook Air has a problem. All right. And we found a solution for it. The MacBook Air, when you compare it to the MacBook Pro with the same processor, cannot handle a sustained load to save its life. But it turns out, with one simple fix, you can fix it. I know that sounded redundant. Don't worry about it. And that's using air jet fans. Because the MacBook Air, not only does it not have. Any active cooling in it, but the thermal solution it has is so thin and insignificant, it does not have enough space to even soak the heat to try and dissipate it. So all you do is install a very tiny vibrating motor like device that vibrates a a flexible material back and forth rapidly and that moves air over the thermal solution just enough that in fact the MacBook Air can match a MacBook Pro in terms of performance. Once again, as I've said, and as many other people have said, the MacBook Air is intentionally crippling its own performance in hopes you buy a better laptop. Because what's happening is that this laptop, the M2 chip, puts out enough heat that it soaks the heat sink. Then the chip thermal throttles and then it clocks itself down to try and cool itself off. Great design, right? Just fantastic. So, you install a little fan, it cools itself down. The end. Now, unfortunately, this solution will not work in the real world because the mod that was demonstrated to do this involved removing a number of controller boards including the controller board for the keyboard and trackpad. So the laptop then had to be controlled using a USB keyboard and mouse. It's not exactly ideal to say the least, but you now do have definitive proof. The MacBook air could be better. Apple just simply said, no, you should instead pay us $500 more, and then we'll include. 15 cent fan we're going to take our last break here when we come back i want to talk about nvidia and the new age of mini pcs and then of course we have a lot of crazy crazy stories to get to you don't want to miss any of this we will be back (laughs) Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. AWS. Amazon Web Services. Unfortunately. Well, uh, well, fortunately. (laughs) I'm just way too used to the moment that I mention Amazon. The words unfortunately have to leave my mouth for some reason or not. Amazon is showing off new... Custom-made processors that range up to 96 cores on the ARM architecture specifically for AI. Why is this important? Well, this goes back to NVIDIA, all right? For the most part, all this AI stuff and all the talk about, oh, wow, this crazy AI stuff can do this, that, and the other thing for... Theoretically, what AI can do is irrelevant, It's only when it's actually applied and actually does it that it starts mattering and for hardware that powers AI the reason it matters to you the average person is because the more that other companies can rely on not NVIDIA the more NVIDIA has to start being price competitive with the products they actually sell you the gamer right now there is no budget affordable GPU brand new from NVIDIA. Every single GPU is what most people consider in the mid to high end market. Even what used to be considered entry level. Things like the 4060 right now is a $400 card or something like that. You used to be able to assemble a capable gaming computer for $400. Now for $400, you have a part. That's it. And not going to lie for that kind of money for 400 bucks. You add a little bit more to that and just get a steam deck and you're looking pretty good, or if you're fine with LCD, you can just get the steam deck gaming, you're done, GG, you win. So more pressure on Nvidia to actually be price competitive. Cause right now they're not right now. Nvidia is as happy as a fat cat can be because they're selling their AI chips. For $10,000 each to any business that'll buy them. And a lot are willing to buy them because they're the only ones out there. Meanwhile, the actual gaming cards using that same chip are selling for $1,500, which is still absurdly expensive. But that gives you kind of an idea of just how disgusting the AI markup is from NVIDIA. Yeah, it's not pretty, but that is how... It's affecting the world right now. And even though. Amazon has access to this. Amazon is still in fact. Having to partner. With Nvidia. Because even though they have their own chip. Amazon still wants to go ahead and be able to offer. Other solutions to their customers. If they deem it so. So it's not like this one chip is going to go ahead and. Be like the answer to all of our Nvidia problems. It's not. But it is. A blow to the NVIDIA Fortress. Good. All we can do is hope that more follow suit, and NVIDIA has to change how they operate. Meanwhile, whatever happened with those 4090s? Well, here's the funny thing the US put a ban on GPUs and chips in general that exceed a certain compute threshold. The 4090 exceeded that, and in fact, what ended up happening over at, over in China because of it was that every single 4090 they had were being converted to AI cards because they could. Well, NVIDIA has come out with a trimmed down version of the 4090 that they can sell to China, and it's called the RTX 4090D, which is within compliance to be sold to China. What does the D stand for? Well, I'm going to assume dragon because of the Chinese dragon being shown next to the picture of this, even though it has a WCCF tech logo on it, which is the article I'm getting this from. But, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of you extremely, uh, mature individuals can come up with your own answer of what the D stands for. That is completely mature and responsible to say, and definitely isn't a euphemism for sausage at all. No, you you all have more class than that. I'm sure you all do. It stands for dumpling, doesn't it? Ah, well, I'm sure it's perfectly fine. You know what else is perfectly fine? Mini PCs being powered by the Ryzen Z1. So what is the Ryzen Z1? Well, the Z1 is a very small, low powered gaming CPU or SOC actually is the more proper term that actually powers a lot of the Steam Deck competitors. It powers the ROG Ally. It powers the Legion Go. It powers a lot of these. There's quite a few from like WinGPT and other ones. Then some people just thought, you know, this chip's capable, it can play games. What if we put it in a small form? What if we put it in like a little little mini PC? And the beauty of the Z1 is not only is it a pretty decent CPU, but it has what all low power CPUs lack. And that's a GPU. So here we have the Phoenix Edge Z1, and the benchmarks for this sucker, are looking pretty comparable someone in chat says is an apu no we are not calling it an apu an apu is a stupid name no bad it is an soc we don't call the intel cpus that have a gpu built on them apus that's a stupid marketing term and as much as i love amd no bad you do that naming outside Bad dog, bad, bad. Ing- ingenious CPU company, but the mini PC is able to handle most modern tiles fairly well. It's about what you'd expect, you know. It's not the greatest performance in the world. It's definitely in the playable range, and the fact that it's a top box, and chat is now being infested. Since infist- I call it an APU, no, I'm not doing it. It's an SOC. It's a system on a chip. That's what we call it in every other system that exists. That's what we're calling it. I don't care that AMD calls an APU. That is a marketing term. I don't care enough. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a marketing term. I still don't care. Bad chat. You're as bad as the Mountain Dew robot. The benefit that the set-top box has though, unlike the handheld PCs, is that, well, there's no battery. This SOC now can, in fact, have raw performance. It doesn't have to downclock itself to conserve battery life. It can just go ahead and run wild. And the sucker can reach roughly 40 and 60 Watts, depending on the load. Someone in chat asked, do Chromebooks use APUs? No, they don't. Both in actual terms and in marketing terms, they don't. Chromebooks usually use Celeron processors, which have a GPU on them, which then, because they're not AMD makes them not APUs or they use actual arm SOCs either way. No, they're using garbage because Chromebooks are garbage. Friends. Don't let friends buy Chromebooks. Nobody willingly buys a Chromebooks. They're forced to buy one. Fight me. I'm not wrong. No, I willingly bought a, a Chromebook for, for my son. So he we go to school. No, your school forced you to buy one. You didn't willingly buy one. Your school forced you to buy one. You weren't, you didn't willingly buy a Chromebook. You were forced to, as I was saying that someone typed in chat schools, schools, willingly buy them. Schools are stupid. So they don't get a pass. That is like my biggest gripe is the fact that schools, like every school had the infrastructure to handle computers correctly. And then they gave up and bought Chromebooks. And now, school, and now students are actually dumber and less computer savvy, savvy because of it. Anyway, the actual Z1 powered desktop. Someone in chat, schools are stupid and we learn at these places. You see the problem. You, you see the problem. You acknowledge. See, see. Ta-da. I like that I try to hover over this and it says an error occurred. Getting back on this, these mini PCs though do have capabilities, and I'm actually very curious to see how the how these are working. And someone was mentioning, what if we have a laptop sp- powered by Steam OS? I actually want to see the top box powered by SteamOS. We could finally see like an actual capable home game console just right then and there. I want to keep a closer eye on these. They're going to be very, very interesting. We'll have to see down the road. One of the things that people tried to just link me was, in fact, people, um, linking mobile processors for Chromebooks. No, bad, bad. Don't do that. Here's the thing. All you given me was a marketing page from AMD saying that AMD Ryzen is good for Chromebooks. Nobody used these. Literally nobody used these. May- there might be a few that use the Ryzen 3 c the rest of these are way too high-end. No one's going to throw them in a Chromebook because Chromebooks are cheap garbage. Chromebooks require no performance because they're not real computers. Thus, there is no reason to put a high-performance Ryzen processor in them. There's no reason to put a Ryzen 5,000 in them. There's no reason to put a Ryzen 7,000 in them. That's why every single Chromebook you see, you know what words you see? Qualcomm. You know what words you see? Celeron. You never, almost never see any kind of real processor in a Chromebook. Are they out there? Yes. Should you buy them? Heck no. They are a waste. Just don't buy Chromebooks for starters. There's your first problem. And you especially shouldn't buy a high-end Chromebook. We have been over this again and again and again and again. And the more you try to convince me you're right, you get further wrong. Yes, I know it's bait. But gosh darn it, I am going to frickin' stand on this hill because I could not be more right about anything. But then again, I live in a society where in fact kids want digital currency and subscriptions to video games more than actual real games for Christmas. So, you know, society's already coming apart at the, at the edges anyway. So why not? Welcome to the crazy land. Just get your kids V-Bucks rather than a game that isn't terrible. And you thought I wouldn't be able to segue properly off the Chromebooks category, didn't you? Admit it. Admit it. You thought I couldn't pull off the segue. But yeah, know seriously. Multiple reports, not just from Kotaku, who I have up. And in fact, more and more, yep, sure enough, they'd rather have virtual currency than actually getting any kind of brand new, useful, game. Someone in chat says Chromebook's like a tied vote. You mean how they're useless and should be thrown out? And disregarded? <sighs> it's disappointing. It really is. To see the state of gaming in the youth literally come down to freaking d- fake money. And that actually catching and actually catching traction. It's disappointing. Very disappointing to say the least. But it is what it is. Meanwhile, though, Destiny 2 tried to do exactly this, a $15 bundle to try and start people up on the dying game. And in fact, the starter pack was so widely hated that in fact, Destiny 2 pulled it. So there's at least one win for actual innovation in the gaming space and not Throwing bad money after bad, EA. <sighs> I need something to like make me happy again. Maybe AI has something that'll actually make me happy again. Uh, what do we got here? no, um, no, no, definitely not that. Definitely not that. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. EA files a patent to make it. So your voice will voice your own in game character. Now, if this is optional, I find this incredibly, incredibly interesting. But I admit I'm a unique case because I can alter my own voice to many different ranges. And I would have, I would have way too much time trying to see what kind of crazy nonsense I could go ahead and have an AI voice generator using my own random voice samples would go ahead and do with it. I would have way too much fun with it. So do I think, I, I guarantee you, most people are probably not on board for this. Okay, Do which I'd say I'm fine with it if it's optional. But let's be honest, if you could go ahead and do something crazy like this with your voice and give that as a sample, wouldn't you want to see what the AI would do with it? would what about a voice like this? Or a voice like this? You get the idea. My throat's actually really dry, or right? I'd do a few other ones too. But I've already been talking for like, over two hours. So there's only so much I could do right now. I find this technology interesting. I hate the fact that it's EA if I the patent. Because I'd love to see this in certain critically acclaimed MMORPGs. That may or may not have a free trial. But at the same time, while AI does something interesting, AI is then used for malicious means. Such as so-called tech bro facing backlash after publishing an article about how to use AI for stealing content from your competitors. Pulling off an SEO heist. So that, in fact, you can have your content beat out the competitions in searchability. Welcome to the modern age. Your kids want V-Bucks. You can try to go ahead and have your personal hero sound like you. And every content creator is trying to use AI to steal from each other and one-up each other. Great. Someone in chat asked, wouldn't that mash them, not beat them? Yes and no. Yes, it would match them, but also you can then use that information to then one up them because you now, you know exactly what they're going to search on. And all you got to do is tweak the ordering a little bit so that all their search words are now one notch lower than all of yours. See the way SEO works on YouTube is the order you put in your tags actually matters a lot because it weighs Your first tag, then your second, then your third, then your fourth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you just get rid of, you copy someone else's tags, copy them in that order, delete the first one and add at the end, every other search word now has more weight on yours than it does on theirs. And that's how it will work until tomorrow when uh, YouTube ends up changing everything and then no one knows anything. Welcome to the algorithm. It's awful. And no one fully understands everything except sometimes when you sometimes do. And it actually does fall that way. It's fantastic. Meanwhile, back to interesting things that AI is doing. Stable video diffusion is a new AI model that is animating any still image. One of my favorites still being, and hopefully I can find it, but now I kind of doubt I'm gonna be able to find it is one popular meme. Of the, oh, there it is. I didn't fact find it. Let me just go ahead and grab it. Doo, 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 doo. There we go. This popular meme was thrown through this same AI generation. The vi- the video of, in fact, you know, guy looking back at girl, her, his girlfriend looking shocked and disgusted by this. And this video model went ahead and animated this, but it did somehow add sleeves to... One of the girls that clearly didn't have sleeves before. It's an interesting concept, but I think it needs to go back in the oven a little bit longer. Also, this elbow looks a little weird. Someone in chat says that sleeves are the future. Ah, yes, the future. The future is sleeves. At least around here it is, because winter. Again, interesting concept, but I just wonder how effective is it going to be? Meanwhile, though, we have nanobots. Tiny robots made from human cells are able now to heal damaged tissue. The so-called anthrobots are being tested and created to try and scratch the surfaces of... I'm trying to think of what the exact word would be. Trying to figure out what they can all do. What couldn't they heal before they now can with these new anthrobots. It's currently being used for just straight up tissue engineering. But the possibilities down the road, who knows what this technology is going to be able to be capable of. But, you know, for now, it's an interesting proof of concept. And just one more piece of fodder you can use. To go ahead and scare your friends into saying, hey, they're making robots out of people. (gasps) And quite frankly, those kind of headlines, just to mess with them, are always worth it. But back into the weird territory, we end up with um, one of the most viral marketing campaigns done in the Twitter space in a long time. Massive Monster the developers of cult of the lamb made a promise on Twitter. They said if they got to 300,000 followers by the end of the year, they would add, I should probably put a content warning. Shouldn't I, this this is your one out. If you don't want to hear a three letter word that starts with the letter S bail. Now cult of the lamb said if they hit 300,000 followers by the end of the year, They would add sex to the game, Cult of the Lamb. Guess how long it took them to hit that goal? In less than a day, and in some measurements, only a few hours after the meme post was made, they hit 300,000 followers. At the time of recording, they're currently at 500,000 followers. And they have posted since then saying, yes, we're going to follow through. So why did I say this is a marketing campaign? Well, here's the thing. If you're hoping that, uh, if you're some sort of perv who's hoping that this game with a childish charm to it is going to suddenly get very, very explicit and very, very graphic and have its, uh, ESRB rating change to X instead of, you know, a teen, I'm just going to tell you now, be ready to be disappointed. First off, Cult of the Lamb is working on a new update. The update is called Sins of the Flesh. The whole point of the game, if you don't know, is that you, you play as a lamb. You It is a combination of a roguelike dungeon crawler, kind of like Binding of Isaac, and a city builder, where you manage a cult back at your home base. I guarantee you, That the quote-unquote sex update is just going to be your cult members rustling behind the bushes and, oh my god, where'd this child come from? That's crazy. And in fact, a report that, in fact, an interview that Cult of Lamb did with uh, Polygon kind of implied they're kind of taking an approach very similar to Pokemon in this regard. Which Pokemon, you can breed your Pokemon over to daycare and just... Oh man! Just one day we came out checking your Pokemon. There was an egg there. Crazy! That's crazy. It's gonna be the same thing. I'm telling you that right now. I told you that. I could. I could have told you. I was telling people that even before the interview. So here's what I'll tell you: They were planning on adding this from the start. What makes this a genius marketing scheme is the fact that the absurdity of just saying we'll add sex if we go ahead and reach this. Goalpost. Everyone was going to go ahead and follow just for the meme, and lo and behold, it worked. Which is now making tons of other places wonder, "Hmm, what insanity can I offer to get those kind of follows?" Other people are doing their meme posts, but um, probably one of the more notable ones was Crowd Control, a a Twitch-based service that allows twitch viewers to interfere with a streamer's game said they would add love sense integration with their software if they hit a if they hit like um i think they said like 200,000 or something like that i can see them doing that but oh my god no please no 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 twitch is already bad enough with hot tub streamers we, no no We don't know. Just, no. At the same time, if I go ahead and offer, offer tasteful nudes of my characters from FF14 for hitting goals on YouTube. Hmm. No, stupid idea. We need to move on to the actual weird stories. Yeah, somehow that's not the weird story of the week. Oh no. I got a far, far weirder story. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of probably the year. Here's the headline. Gay furry hackers breach a U.S. nuclear lab and they have demands. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that is a real headline that really exists. Why? I don't know, but it really exists. But of course, as though the headline wasn't absurd enough, you thought, okay, maybe the actual demands are realistic. No, no, they're not. The actual post saying this was, quote, meow, meow, the sexy hackers at SigdSec just breached the Idaho National Laboratory divulging in thousands of data points such as full name, date of birth, email addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers, address, employment info, and more, colon three. They then went on to say that they will leak this information out unless the lab commits to researching into creating IRL catgirls, and they'll take down the post. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't top that. I this seems like something I would have made up. This seems like something that in fact just y- you would think this has to be fi- there's no way this could be real. No, this is real. This is a real thing that was made. Um I have no updates as of now. Um I'll here's my bold prediction, by the way. I don't think the um I, I do not believe the nuclear lab is going to go ahead and try to research into making cat girls, mostly because they are nuclear scientists. They research in this crazy thing called nuclear power. That's kind of what the field is. You You don't see me as a computer nerd try to go and build rocket ships. That's stupid. And... While we're on the topic, um, I guarantee you this whole thing for them is going to end with a very, very loud knock, a very, very loud knock at the door. Computer, stop. Frickin alarm clock went off. Anyway, it's going to end with a very loud knock at the door, followed by the words, FBI, open up. There is no way this ends any other way, but holy cow, the fact that it even got that far is incredible for all the wrong reasons. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out our YouTube channel where we're posting daily clips. And check out our Twitch page at twitch.tv slash Falcon. YouTube.com slash Falcon as well for our YouTube. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. off i find the speciesist of these gay furry hackers quite offensive for starters and the other thing you know i you know good for them for being gay but really just cat girls no cat boys no bunny boys what are we speciesist now too i'm disappointed i'm greatly disappointed in these hackers and also disappointed in the fact that you know they're quite possibly the dumbest terrorists that ever blighted the planet Holy cow. This was, this might be the dumbest headline I have read in a long time. I I will say that much. I know I don't normally do like last burb story of the year because I never keep track of this stuff, but man, good luck topping this one.